Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Detroit Tigers 11, the Cleveland Guardians 4. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And you know what? Not last night. Not last night. I mean, this stretch, this tough stretch, you know what they're calling a tough stretch by the Guardians, right? In all the post-game interviews, that's what everybody was saying. Oh, we're in a tough stretch right now. Uh, this was not enjoyable. This wasn't. And so, I, you know what? I want to talk a little bit off the field today. I mean, I don't... The storyline of this game is we got our butts kicked by the Tigers again. Storyline of this game is we're now one game over 500. We're dangerously close to falling back to 500 if the Tigers sweep us in this series. And so I want to talk about some things off the field because I think it's pretty clear that unless a huge turnaround happens in the second half of this season, right? Unless some some movie-like, Hollywood-like turnaround happens in the second half of the season, this team is probably not going to the World Series. Yeah, they might, you know what? They might win the American League Central Division still. They could. They absolutely could. But they're probably not going to the World Series without some real Hollywood progressive field magic happening. So if this season isn't about winning a World Series, then it's about finding out about some players and finding out about the future of the team. And my question, when we're days away from the All-Star break, to Mr. Antonetti, to Mr. Chernoff, to the Dolans, to David Blitzer, our new co-owner, is have you answered questions? If this season is about finding out about these guys, have you found out anything? I mean, I think I've found out some things. I think I found out about uh, Ahmed Rosario playing shortstop. I don't think you can go into next season with Ahmed Rosario as your shortstop. He has been somewhat effective offensively. Exits this game with a 278 average and a 700 OPS. He does not slug for much. Um, a lot of that OPS is on base. Is Ahmed Rosario your shortstop next year? No, I don't think he can. He had a brutal game defensively in this one. Let a few balls get under his glove. You know, couldn't make some diving stops on balls that a shortstop should make. I'm putting that on him. A shortstop should make those diving catches, those sliding catches. He has one that kind of eats him up in his belly. Probably could have been a double play to get Henches out of an inning. Instead, it eats him up in his belly, and they're only able to get the one out at second. Let's see here. Uh, let's see what makes up his OPS here uh, so far on the season. He's got a 317 on base and a 383 slugging. So, yeah, it's... That's why the OPS is so low. You got to see, you probably want to see that slugging percentage a little bit, a little bit higher. Um, frankly, he doesn't even walk that, uh, walk a ton. 17 walks to 44 strikeouts this season so far. Ahmed Rosario might have a place offensively in the lineup, but it just cannot be at shortstop. I think Andre, with Andres Jimenez and Arias and Freeman. And Rokio, and there's just too many shortstops coming. 
there's too many guys that you need to test out at shortstop. They haven't tested Andres Jimenez at shortstop at all. Is Andres Jimenez just stuck at second base just because of bad timing? That he's stuck behind Ahmed Rosario, and now he's got a whole crew of young shortstops coming up behind him. Is Andres Jimenez just stuck at second base for the rest of his Guardians career because of that? I, I, there's still questions to answer about him at shortstop. Arias got bumped back down to the minors. I, I, I'm ready to see him at shortstop for this team to see what kind of shortstop he is. We saw him play third base, but he's not going to be there. Jose Ramirez is going to be at third base. So, yeah, so questions to, that need to be answered at shortstop, I have my answer. Do Antonetti and Chernoff have their answer? Have we figured out the mix in the outfield yet? My answer is no, we have not figured out the mix in the outfield yet. Stephen Kwan is having a good season, a good rookie season. Probably needs a few more seasons to determine whether or not he is, you know, a permanent solution in the outfield. Rookies will have ups and downs, very high peaks, very low valleys. We need to see what Stephen Kwan looks like when that kind of evens out. I think that's a fair statement. It could be. He really could be just that pesky, uh, you know, contact hitting, leadoff hitter uh, that can really drive teams crazy. And he could do that for a long time. He could have a very long career doing that. Uh, But he, you know, look at what Miles Straw is going through right now. We just gave Miles Straw guaranteed money. We just bought up his arbitration years. And now he's hitting 194 with a 535 OPS. And I know Valeka was talking about him a little bit before the game, and Andre Knott was talking about him, and he, Straw, was getting advice from Jonathan Scope on the other side, and, uh, you know, keep playing great defense, and the offense will come around and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, serious, serious question mark. Antonetti needs to decide, and Chernoff need to decide, what are you going to do about Miles Straw in center field this season? It's a black hole, and you can move him down to the nine spot in the lineup, but when you're hitting 194 offensively, you kind of need a guy down there to turn the lineup around, right? I'd like a guy that could be able to turn the lineup around and bring it back to the top of the lineup and keep some rallies going or get some rallies started. So huge question marks. Palacios, can he play defense out there in left field? Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, you know, we're, can he hit sliders away? So the all-star break is a good time to evaluate these things and make some changes. You have guys down at AAA banging on the door. Do we see a bunch more call-ups after the all-star break? Owen Miller, is there a spot for Owen Miller on this team? He started out red hot to start the season. He has fallen off a cliff lately. Owen Miller has gotten really, really bad offensively. And where do you play him? He's not a first baseman. He's terrible defensively at first base. He has a uh, Miguel Cabrera single go under his glove in this game. It's a tough play at the hot corner, but you can see how much better he is defensively when he's set back a little bit at second base. But then again, he's not really a great second baseman. So you know, what's your spot for the guy, this guy on this team? If he's not hitting, if he's not hitting in April, he hit 400 with a 1.166 OPS. In May, Owen Miller hit 211 with a 575 OPS. In June, 
He hit 191 with a 513 OPS. So far, for the month of July, he is hitting 235, but with a 470 OPS. Hey, I mean, come on, Owen Miller. Does he not? I don't think he has an extra base hit yet in July. He's got four singles. So, yeah, if Owen Miller isn't bringing the bat offensively, then it really becomes even harder to find a spot for him on this team. And like we said, with all those middle infielders coming, with guys like Nolan Jones and Joanski Noel that can play first base coming, where's the spot for Owen Miller on this team? Is that something that's going to be decided by the All-Star break? Or are you going to stretch these experiments and these questions out through the rest of the season? Is it going to take you to the end of the 2022 season to figure out whether Owen Miller can bounce back offensively? These are the questions that have to be floating around in the front offices. What do you do about Fermil Reyes? Yes, he hammered the ball hard all four times he was up tonight. He only has one hit to show for it. Uh, you know, a double. He had a sack fly and a double to show for it on the night. He had an RBI and a run scored. He's hitting 211 with a 606 OPS. This should be one of the most feared cleanup hitters in all of baseball. And if Fermil Reyes isn't hitting, then what are we doing? I mean, I want Fermil Reyes to turn it around, but what is you going to do, Antonetti and Chernoff? How are you going to turn this guy around or figure out another solution at DH. DH should be, a, there should not be question marks in the DH position. They have one job. One job, hit the ball. That shouldn't be a spot where you have question marks. Oh, on the pitching side of things, will Bieber be able to continue to pitch without the velocity, or can he get the velocity back? That's a question that has to bounce around. Is he worth ace money? And ace money is getting more and more expensive. Is he worth ace money if it's all sliders and curveballs? I think Bieber is definitely worth, worth hanging on to. I definitely uh, see him playing out uh, his arbitration years in Cleveland. But I'm not as sold on a long-term contract as I was uh, at the start of this season. Right? I thought Bieber was a sure candidate to lock up on a long-term contract and ace stuff. I'm not sure it's worth locking up yet. We got to see if this slider curveball combo or does the velocity come back on the fastball, right? Does an off-season program bring the velocity back? There's a, that's a long question mark. I understand them waiting to answer that question. Savali, Plesak, and Quantrill, and, and uh, McKenzie. Do those, and Bieber, do these five guys make up the best starting rotation that you can put on the field? I think the answer to that question is no. By next year, no. It's not. So which one of these guys moves to the bullpen? Which one of these guys moves in a trade? You know, you've got Logan T. Allen, and you've got Xavion Curry. But not only that, you've got Gavin Williams. You've got... Espinal, you've got Bibby, Tanner Bibby, you've got uh, Doug McKenzie, you've got so many starting pitchers coming, and they're coming fast. These guys are pitching fantastic in the minor leagues. They're coming fast. So yeah, you cannot have a starting rotation. Next year's starting rotation probably will not feature Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill, Plesek, and Savali. It won't. 
It won't, there's too much young talent coming. And I'm not talking Kurt McCarty. I'm not talking Tyler T- or Tully or whatever his name was. I'm not talking those guys. I'm talking some real, real talent flying up your minor leagues. So which one of those guys is the odd man out? I think Tristan McKenzie is definitely going to be in this rotation for a while. I don't know about Savali and Plesak. I don't. Quantrill has been reliable but not remarkable. Yeah, Quantrill probably sticks around for a few more years in this rotation. Uh, so that leaves Savali and Plesak. Those are my kind of my odd men out here. We've been seeing it for a while. It just hasn't developed in the real dominant stuff. You know, Savali hasn't turned into the young Greg Maddox that we thought he might be. Uh, Plesak desperately wants to be an ace, and he just doesn't seem to have ace stuff. So are those guys bounced somehow for younger guys coming up? How, you know, we answer those questions. you got to answer those questions, Chernoff and Antonetti. Those questions, the starting pitching is going to take to the end of the season. And then bullpen is always a question mark. Aside from Classe, every single guy in this bullpen is probably expendable. Even uh, even Eli Morgan, apparently, as long as he's not pitching against the Minnesota Twins, is fine. So maybe Morgan definitely has a spot in this bullpen. But, I mean, everybody comes with question marks. Nick Sandlin is back. He did throw more strikes on the day than we've seen the last time we saw him out there. But Sandlin, uh, you know, gave a bunch of contact, gave up three hits and two runs. So even guys like Sandlin, who we thought were going to be locked down parts of this bullpen, bullpen arms always come with question marks. And they only last a few seasons, and then you churn through your bullpen guys again. I mean, look how quickly guys like uh, Cody Allen and you know, uh, Miller can just lose it in the bullpen. Those guys were the best of the best in the bullpen for about two, three seasons, and then it was gone. And then it was gone. It happens. It absolutely happens out there in the bullpen. So, question marks always abound. So, we're reaching the all-star break. Do some of these questions, are they answered by the all-star break, or are you going to keep going? Are you going to keep pushing us through this making us, frankly, suffer through this, uh, through the trade deadline into August and September for September call-ups? You know, how much are you going to push these questions or are you going to start to answer some of these things? So on a very frustrating night, that's how I felt. That's how I felt watching this game. I felt like going on a 15-minute rant about the question marks that surround this team constantly in this Let's see season. It's not a let's win the whole damn thing season. It's not a rebuilding season. It's a giant question mark season. Let's answer questions on a lot of these guys. Well, there's some guys down in AAA that I'm ready to start asking questions about. And will they be willing by the trade deadline, by the all-star game, by the all-star break, to start answering some of those questions on some of those guys down in AAA instead of some of the guys who have really been suffering in the bottom of this lineup. All right. Speaking of Nick Sandlin throwing strikes, that's going to bring me back into this game last night because this is a podcast that recaps the game. And uh, guess who threw the most strikes, the highest strike percentage on the day last night? It wasn't Quantrill. It wasn't Sandlin. It wasn't Sam Hench's. They were all around 59, 60%. It was Sandy Leone. 
Sandy Leone, who threw the most strikes on the day. He threw uh, on 17 pitches. Our backup catcher threw 11 strikes on 17 pitches, which is good for over 60% strike percentage on the day. So that was your leader in throwing strikes yesterday for the Cleveland Guardians. Probably not a good sign. 64, 65% if you're round up. Probably not a good sign if your backup catcher is leading your team in throwing strikes on the day. So Quantrill really, really, I mean, the Tigers just beat up on him. The storyline of this game is the Tigers' offense. My God, Miguel Cabrera goes three for three, add in a walk. He's on base four times, scores twice, drives in a run. He's hitting 308 this season, just slapping it the other way. He loops it over Andres Jimenez's head. He gets it under the glove of Owen Miller, just poking it out to right field. And then Eric Haas comes up and behind him and is just hammering the ball, continues his mini revenge tour against the Cleveland franchise. He has a double and a home run. Uh, Scope is on base a bunch. Uh, Was he hit by a pitch too? I think Scope, yeah. Uh, I think Scope was on base three times. Uh, He was hit by a pitch. He was walked and he had a hit. Uh... Victor Reyes in the nine hole goes three for four with two runs scored and three RBIs. He's hitting 322 in the nine hole. Meanwhile, our nine hitter is hitting 194. And when the game was completely out of hand, yeah, he got a single through the left side. That didn't turn into anything. So their offense, then Riley Green at the top. Riley Green, the young phenom rookie, gets two doubles, three RBIs, and a run scored on the day. So their offense just absolutely goes off. Quantrill manages the last four innings, gives up eight hits, six runs, but only three earned because the defense behind him was just brutal. Only manages four strikeouts, two walks, uh, gives up a home run. He's hard hit six times. Frankly, the problem for him was, man, did he leave, if I look over his illustrator, did he leave some cutters in the middle of the plate, my God, a huge cluster of cut fastballs right down the pipe. And when we go over to the results tab, we see a bunch of hits, including the home run he gave up to Eric Haas on a cutter down the middle of the plate. I mean, we're talking at the belt, just below the belt. The double he gives up to Riley Green was another cutter right in the middle of the plate. Jonathan Scope's single was a two-seam sinker in the middle of the plate. The cutter to Miguel Cabrera uh, that he hits for a single is in the middle of the plate. The cutter to Harold Castro in the middle of the plate that he hits. So, yeah, something about Quantrill's cutter just was not there for him yesterday. Uh, But then it doesn't help when Andres Jimenez boots an easy one at second base. He's been pretty good. He took it on himself. He took it pretty hard. After the game in his post-game interview, uh, Andres Jimenez was not happy with his performance. Uh, going over to the player breakdown for Quantrill, um, the cutter was actually his highest CSW pitch, but they were also his hardest hit pitch. So it has a 30% CSW. It had a 35% whiff rate when he was locating it. But when he was leaving it in the middle of the plate, they had an average exit velocity of 94.7 off of it. So it was not a great day. He only got two whiffs on his sinker. He only got two whiffs on his changeup. Uh, nothing from the curveball, which he only threw three times. So yeah, it was a rough day for Cal Quantrill with his, uh, you know, his mix of heart stuff. Actually, doesn't he? 
Isn't there another hard pitch that he usually mixes in here? Uh, it's surprising to me that this guy hasn't developed really another off-speed pitch because he just comes at you with the hard stuff, the two-seamer, the cutter, and kind of mixes these things back and forth. When you're hitting the edges, yeah, that's great. When you're getting him to expand the zone on the cutter, that's great. When you're leaving it, I mean, dead center of the plate, you're going to pay no matter what the defense is behind you. So, yeah, Sandlin comes in. He gets rocked in an inning, three hits, two runs. Henches ends up loading the bases. He has three walks. He could have gotten out of this thing with a double play, but a ball eats up Ahmed Rosario. Uh, but the three walks, that's on Sam Henches. I thought we were past that. That was old Sam Henches. I did not think that was going to come around again. The Guardians' offense on the day, they do score first. Uh, it's a nice little rally to start the first inning. Uh, Ahmed Rosario reaches on a ball that chop. I guess they're calling it an error, on a ball that bounces underneath uh, Harold Castro's glove at shortstop. Um, so I guess they're, they're calling that a, an error to start things off. And then uh, Jose Ramirez bloops a double down the left field line. All right, you're set up. Vermeil Reyes delivers a hard hit sack fly in the left field, brings in the first run. That's good. All right. That's good stuff. Uh, they go off on their four-run rally in the bottom of the second. Then in the top of the fourth inning, we're able to add another run. We actually made this a 4-2 to two game. I didn't think it was that crazy uh, up until that point. Yeah, that fourth inning sucked. But Quantrill does come back uh, and get a bu- two strikeouts in the third inning after giving back-to-back singles. Um, so he does do a good job of shutting things down in the third inning allowing the Guardians to come back and score in the fourth. Uh, Fermil Reyes with a nice double into left field. So his first two times up, he hammers the ball in the left field. Uh, first at bat was 108.8 miles per hour, the sack fly. Uh, this next one uh, was 105.3 mile per hour double. And then Owen Miller shoots one through the right side. That's okay. I'll take that from Owen Miller. 91.3 miles per hour, shoots it through, brings in Fermil Reyes to score. Uh, so yeah, so the Guardians made it a four to two game, but then this is one of those situations where we score. You gotta lock things down, right? You gotta lock things. Your team just scored as the starting pitcher. You gotta come out and put a zero on the board. Well, bottom of the fourth inning, that does not happen. With two outs, Miguel Cabrera singles and Eric Haas hits his home run, a hundred point five mile per hour exit velocity, three seventy three. Only had a 650 expected batting average, but it gets the job done. Haas, man, not that our catcher, well, I didn't even talk about catcher. I mean, we know that neither of these guys, not the three guys on the major league roster, if you include Hedges, who should be back from his concussion very soon, all three of these guys are not the answer at catcher. The question mark is Bo Naylor. Now, Bo Naylor just got called up to AAA. So I understand if we're probably not going to see Bo Naylor up here to start the season or at, at the second half of the season. Maybe a September call-up. I mean, be realistic. He just got called up to AAA. There are people out there screaming for Bo Naylor to just be here already. He's going to struggle. A rookie's due. Uh, are you going to see it now? Are you going to see it in September if he gets a September call-up? Are you going to see it in spring training? Does he get to just compete for a spot, the starting spot next year in spring training? Or, at the trade deadline, are you going to go find a catcher? A major league proven talent 
catcher that can at least get us through the rest of the season because a catcher is another black hole offensively. Um, so yeah, two more runs score in the fourth. So you just made it a decent game at four to two. Now it's six to two. And then everything falls apart after that. You go to your bullpen in the fifth, and it's just, I mean, when your starting pitcher gets run after four innings, that's a disaster. That's not good. Uh, we could keep going with this game, but there's really no point. Once the, uh, you know, the position players come in to pitch, they weren't even trying. I don't even care how the Guardians scored their two runs in the eighth and the ninth inning because it was over. It was an 11-2 game. They rally for one in the eighth and one in the ninth to make the final 11 to four, but they were facing, uh, you know, position player Harold Castro in the ninth inning. So I don't, I don't really care that they're able to get a run off of him. They get an unearned run off of Joe Jimenez in the eighth inning there. Whatever. I, this game was over at that point. I was already thinking of my giant rant that I was ready to go on. So yeah, uh, this is, as they would say, a tough stretch. A very tough stretch for your Cleveland Guardians. Uh, you know, after that Yankee series, Detroit was supposed to be a breath of fresh air. It was supposed to be a chance to balance out the record a little bit, beat up on the American League Central. Instead, the Detroit Tigers are proving that they are a much tougher team than their record gives them credit for. Uh, I didn't even mention Drew Hutchinson, the journeyman who started for them. This guy has bounced around his entire career. First got called up in 2012 with Toronto, bounced around with Toronto, Pittsburgh, Texas, now Detroit. Uh, hadn't pitched in the majors from 2018 to 2021. There was a so he didn't pitch in the 2019 or 2020 season. He's pitched mostly in relief lately in his career, but gets the start yesterday and uh, gives them a solid five innings, two runs, only one earned, uh, no walks. There's a key. On 85 pitches, he only hard hit six times, but no walks. Two strikeouts, five hits allowed. That's a decent line for a guy that, frankly, is just a journeyman that's bounced around a lot in his career. A decent day for Drew Hutchinson. So, that's all my thoughts on this one. God, I mean, can we salvage this at all? Can we get a win on an afternoon game where we got Bieber going up against Pineda? Uh... Man, I, we really need Bieber to win this one. We really need the offense to come awake. This is going to be one of those games where, you know, the offense has been crap for three games in a row, and then the last game of the series, they'll go off for 10 runs. I didn't even talk about that. That was another thing I wanted to mention. The bat bip, the batting average balls in play on this series. Uh, starting in uh, game one of that doubleheader, the Tigers' batting average on balls in play has been three was 385 in game one of the doubleheader. Ours was 0. .050. 0. .050. They were at 385 batting average balls in play. On game two, we get a little bit better. Their batting average balls in play was 321. Ours was 261. And then last night in their big win, their batting average balls in play was 414. And ours was 306. This is from over on Fangraphs. I mean, my God, you want to talk about the offensive. The baseball gods are shining on the Tigers' offense right now. They're averaging, I think it was like a 380-something batting average on balls in play uh, throughout this series. That is the, the baseball gods shining on your offense a little bit. They're having a very, very good series when it comes to putting the ball in play. All right? 
Is that going to hold up? No, you're not going to have a 380-something batting average balls in play. Uh, so, yeah, so is this one of them where the Guardians flip things and they go off and score double-digit runs just to salvage one game in this series? With Bieber on the mound, you'd like to think they could. Um, so that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I know it wasn't a happy episode. I know it wasn't a positive and an uplifting episode. But it is time to start changing these question marks into periods. It's time to start answering some of these questions. The All-Star break is a great time to evaluate these things. The trade deadline is a great time to evaluate these things. The month of July has to be the month of answers. All right. The final again from Detroit. It's the Tigers 11, the Cleveland Guardians 4. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.